have your Bible open to Isaiah chapter number 61. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you today. You're a good God. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would help this word come forth. Father, for those that are in need of something from your book today, Father, I ask that they receive it. Father, let them not hear me, but let them hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever thought that you knew better what to do with somebody else's stuff than they do? Or better yet, have you ever had anybody think that they know what to do with your stuff better than you know what to do with your stuff? Have you ever had anybody, you're at the store, and all 17 of your children have behaved like angels for the whole time, and then you get to the, to the checkout counter, and, and one of your children says, I've got to go potty, and you say to them, in just a minute, baby, I'll take you to potty, and immediately they begin to cry, and the checkout lady, the manager at the table in the back, the 78 people behind you, the people stocking the ice cream, that can hear your child crying are all looking at you going, you must be the worst parent on the planet. They did not see the fact that all seven of your children were angels the whole time following you like little ducks following a mama duck through the store. All they recognize is the one moment when they develop the opinion that you somehow are not as capable of doing something as they are. It happens all the time. And if we want to be honest, we have the thought ourselves. We sit in a restaurant and we hear a baby crying. And we go, well, if they just hold it like this, it'd quit crying. I was, I was the other day, Crystal and I were walking. Uh, and and, and there's, a, there's a young guy. He's probably 21 years old. And uh, it's obvious that his, we were at a, a mall. And it's obvious that his wife was uh, in, in, in the store. And he was waiting. And he had a little baby. The baby couldn't have been two months old. You know, a little bitty baby. And uh, if you're like me, we, in Jesus' name, we're done having babies. Unless, you know, God speaks to us out of a burning bush or something. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, so for us, we are really committed to, the, to, to kind of being done with having babies. Well, as soon as that happens, when you see little babies and you know you're probably not having another one, you will stop in traffic to look at that little baby. Because you ever, you know, anybody has children knows you just love babies. So anyway, uh, we're sitting there and there's this young man. He's probably 21, 22 years old sitting there with a baby. And he's trying everything he can. And, and it was kind of warm outside. And it was outside of the store. And we're sitting there. And, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh, man, I need to go tell him that that baby's too hot. And I'm sitting there saying, I need to go tell him that baby's hungry. Or I need to go tell him. He needs to check that baby's diaper. I need to go tell him something because I know better than he knows. So many times in our life, we look from the outside in, not knowing the fullness of the story. Not knowing exactly what's taking place and what's caused somebody to get to the position that they're in. A lot of times it's the same thing with a gift. When, when somebody gives us something, you know, if you go take your hard-earned money and you buy the pair of shoes you've been wanting, you've been wanting and, and you really like them or you go buy the car that you've been wanting and uh, brother Matthew Godkin got him a brand new truck the other day and 
just a beautiful, beautiful truck. And, you know, I thought, man, you just got a new truck. You must be so blessed. You can't even be stressed buying another new truck. But I, I'm sitting there and, and I look and you can't find, listen, you cannot find, you, you can't find the thought of dust on that truck. You can't find dirt on that truck. Come on, somebody. If somebody with dirty shoes looks at the truck, he drives away, you know. It's a new truck. It costs a lot of money. And so it has a very high value. But a lot of times, and he values it as such. It's a very nice truck. You should see it. Uh, But anyway, uh, so many times in our lives, we get to that place when we have paid for something and we take care of it accordingly. But when something is given to us, sometimes the value of it does not seem to be or we do not esteem it as high as it should. There's an idea that because something is free, it must not have been costly. Well, the problem is just because something doesn't cost you something, it doesn't mean that it was cheap at all. I remember when Crystal and I got married, uh, we were living in an apartment approximately the size of this speaker. Uh, I, I remember that, that, well, I'll tell you this. I remember two things. We went from a little tiny apartment in East Texas to a pretty nice apartment in uh, Houston, And then we moved to a house in Houston. And I remember the first time I realized that you don't have to walk, you don't always have to walk between a dresser and a bed like this. I realized, I was like, wow, we have got some room in here. This is amazing. But I remember we watched a movie right about that time. And I wish I could remember the name of it. But it was about going out west. It was about uh, the great push to conquer the, or, 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 or to, to tame the Wild West. And people wanted to go out there and stake their claim and make a life because they, they didn't want to just be uh, uh, on the East Coast with all the factories and nonsense. And you got to remember, in those times, there was plagues, legitimate plagues. There was sickness. There was all kind of different things. It was, it was a hard, hard time to live. Uh, but, but people would go out West. And I remember this one scene where they had a big starting line and everybody, they been given a flag, which was their stake, and, and they, 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 they started, and I don't know if it was a county or an area, but there was an area that they had staked out uh, X amount of tracks, and I think it was something like 100 acres each or something, something like that, and, and they said, one, two, three, and boom, they shot the gun, and everybody starts running with their flag. And they get to the place that they want to be. And, of course, it was a cinematic movie. So, you know, everybody wanted this one place. So this one guy's trying to get it for his wife or something. And he gets out there and he, he gets and he stakes his claim. And I thought, man, I wish it was still that way. I'm living in this apartment like this. I wish I could go get me a horse and ride through the countryside and drive a stake in the ground and have me a 100 acres. And I thought, it must have been so nice back then. And the Lord works in mysterious ways, of course. And years later, 
Crystal and I are in Colorado on one of our vacations. We, we love Colorado. I love Colorado in the summer. I love it in the winter. I love it in the spring. I love it in the fall. I love Colorado. Tell me I'm snowed in and I just start smiling. It's, it's, it's a beautiful place. If you've never been there, I recommend it highly. Uh, uh, but we're in a place called Creed, Colorado, and we're staying, and, and the Rio Grande River starts up there. And so we're right there close to the river, and you can catch trout and all kind of stuff. Well, one of the things we really like to do is to... Uh, 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 go on hikes because around here, you know, nobody wants to go on a hike because it's 100 million degrees with 8,000% humidity. So a hike is not all that fun in Texas. But in Colorado, man, you can walk for like five miles and you're still enjoying it. You'll see deer. You might see a bear. You'll see all kind of stuff. It's just a great time. And I remember uh, we came to this one trail and we were walking on this trail and everything was good. And there was a little monument there. And I thought, oh, neat, little monument. And they staked off a little fence around it. And I got there and I went to reading it. And as I was reading, I just started crying. Because it said something. I wish I could remember how poetic it was. But the bottom line is a young girl, I want to say she was four years old. Her family was going out west to make a life. And she fell sick. And they had to bury her right there while they continued out west. And immediately, I remembered that silly movie. And I thought, that land was free, but it costs so much. You see, in our lives, our salvation is free. It definitely has uh, the opportunity for us to grab a hold of it with both hands and not let go. At no expense of our own account, but it was the furthest thing from free. It was the furthest thing from cheap. Now, the other issue that we have a lot of times is we see the cross. We love the cross. We love the victory at Calvary. But we stop there. We we look at the cross and we say, that is the destination. Listen to me. The cross is not the destination. The The cross is the cost of the destination. Jesus did not have to die to prove to the devil that he was stronger than death, hell, and the grave. Jesus had to die so that you and me could have access to the kingdom. Jesus changed everything with the cross, but so many times we focus on that and we forget John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let's stop right there for just a second. If you're going through something in your life and it is stealing your joy, it is not God. If you're going through something in your life, in your physical body, a family member's physical body, uh, anything like that is is attempted to be killed, uh, your success, your job, your income, uh, uh, your, your peace level, any of those things are tried to be killed, that is not from God. The Bible says the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So in our lives, if it falls into those three categories, we're just not going to get on the I blame God boat. God does not send storms on His children. God meets His children in storms. God does not throw His children in fiery furnaces. He meets His children in fiery furnaces. He's a good God that loves His children, that wants to do good for His children. We just happen to live on a place called earth that is a fallen realm that is infected with a thing called sin that ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, everything kind of went a little off 
kilter. So for you and for me, when we come into the kingdom of God, we have to remember that the price of our freedom, the price of our uh, ability to believe God is not a cheap thing. On the contrary, it's the most costly of things. But the cross is not the final destination because that scripture doesn't end with the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It ends like this. He came to give you life and life more abundant. All through our life, we have to remember that Jesus didn't come just so that he could beat the devil up for three days in hell, then raised from the dead. He didn't need to do that. The Bible says that he was in the beginning and he'll be in the end. The Bible says that he beheld the devil fall like lightning from the sky. What he came for is the promise and the prize of you and of me so that we would have the opportunity to choose Jesus in our difficult times. All through life, we go through things and sometimes we get focused on the idea. If I were to give you a gift card and you were to take that gift card and you were to put it on the shelf and you were to say, I love this gift card. It's the greatest thing imaginable. But you were to never go and utilize that gift card. You wouldn't be honoring the fact that I paid a price for you so that you could then have something purchased on my account. It's the same thing with the cross. Every decision and every thought and every problem that we go through and every situation that we come in contact with and every time the devil comes in trying to steal, kill, and destroy, every time your family member starts to run amok, every time you have a flat tire, every time you get sick, every time somebody says you're going to lose your job, every time it comes to a place where you're looking for another job, every time you go through the trials of life, you have to take the lens of Calvary, the lens of the cross, and look through that and say, does the cross have anything to do with my current situation? Because so many times in life, we take the gift and we don't utilize what was paid for. We focus on the gift and we don't focus on the reward. Every single decision, you see, because Jesus defeated death, we can believe every single thing he ever says. The reason we believe Jesus and we don't believe Buddha is because Buddha is dead. The reason we believe Jesus and we don't believe Muhammad is because Muhammad is dead. When Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, everything he ever said, now we have to pay exact attention to. So you're going through life and you're trying to figure out, what can I do with my life? What's my situation? Well, here's the scenario. When something, when the enemy comes in like a flood, it's our responsibility to view our life through the vision or through the lens or through the filter of the cross. So when things get tough and things get hard, it's your responsibility to look through it and say, because death was defeated, because hell was defeated, because the grave was defeated, because Nothing could hold Jesus back. And because he paid every price on the cross, I understand that I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. I'm not going through anything the way the world goes through it. I'm not going through anything the way anybody else that's not saved goes through it. When I feel sick, I remember that by his stripes, I am healed. When I go through hard times, I remember that He supplies my needs according to His riches and glory and not according to my Wells Fargo bank account or wherever you bank. Your life is not your own. Everything about your life now passes through the cross. And it's the same scenario. If you can place Calvary between you and every decision, your decisions become more focused and now you have the ability to believe. 
You see, if you don't do that, you have to question, well, Lord, I messed up last week and I cussed out my neighbor because he mowed my yard too short or he didn't mow my yard or his billy goat got on my property or his dog barked at two in the morning or, or his kitty cat came and brought a little mouse on my porch. Have y'all ever that happen? We've got a bunch of cats and I'm telling you, I don't know where the mice come from, but every morning they just deposit mice on our porch. I'm like, do something else with them. Go put them in the field or eat them or... I mean, why would a cat bring a mouse and put it on every day, y'all? But anyway, in your life, all through the situations, and every time something comes along, you've got to look, for, you've got to look at it through the cross. Because if you don't, you start to question whether or not you are worthy to receive the goodness of God. Can I just say, you are not. My wife Crystal probably is. But you and me, and I'm joking about Crystal, we are not worthy. And we're not going to stay on this thought very long. But understand, it is the cross of Calvary that changed your position in all of eternity. It is the cross of Calvary. It is three nails, one spear, a crown of thorns, and a whip that changed everything about your life forever and always. It is the cross of Calvary that makes you able and, and, and lawfully able to go before the throne room of God and make your requests known unto Him. It is the cross of Calvary that does that. Now, here's the scenario. When you get sick, we we knee-jerk and we say, well, in Jesus' name I'm healed. By His stripes I'm healed. Healing is the children's bread. He's the God that healeth thee. All these things start flooding into our mind and we're okay with it because our natural body is under attack. Where we mess up is when we mess up, we forget that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. You mess up and then it takes you seven praise and worship songs to get to the place where you feel worthy to lift your hands again. Well, here's a newsflash. You weren't worthy to begin with. You just felt better because you didn't have the immediate remembrance of sin on your mind. So here's the scenario. You who are in Christ and me who are in Christ, when you say yes to God, the Bible says that your sins have been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. And when you do something wrong, it is your responsibility No, it is your opportunity to remind yourself that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And it wasn't your good deeds that got you before God to begin with. It was the cross at Calvary. So when the devil starts to lie to you and say, because you had that thought or because you did that thing, you shouldn't go to church. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't lift your hands. You shouldn't sing this song in your car. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't pray. You shouldn't other. You should say, you should shut your mouth because the cross of Calvary is what purchased my access. Your life is not your own. Jesus came and shifted everything. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says that you are a new creature in Christ. When it comes to human beings, there have only been three types of creatures. One, there was the uh, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. The first humans. They were right with God. They had no stain of sin. They had no sickness. They had none of those things. That's one type. The second type is Adam and Eve and everybody else 
post-sin. That's whenever you are in an unsaved position. Your life is then uh, hanging on the balance of your righteousness. But the problem is the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you are in an unsaved state. You are not right with God. Because if you take something that is clean and you take something that is dirty and you touch them together, the dirty thing makes the clean thing dirty, not the clean thing makes the dirty thing clean. So you and me had to be cleaned by the spotless blood of Jesus, which that crimson flow washes you white as snow. Now you can come back in right standing with God, which is the new creature, the third type of human that has ever existed, the new creature in Christ where everything has passed away, your old deeds, your old uh, uh, negative things, all those things have passed away and everything in your life has become new again. So in your life, you have to remember, it wasn't your ability to do right or your inability to do wrong that got you in the presence of God to begin with. It was simply and totally the blood of Jesus Christ. So in your life, whenever you're going through decisions, whenever you have different things happening, you have to take and look through the lens of Calvary to determine where you stand. If you say, I'm sick, you say, well, by His stripes I'm healed. You say, I'm stressed out. You say, the chastisement of my peace was upon him. I'll never forget whenever Crystal and I really started getting serious. We had been dating for uh, six months or so. And I I was ready to marry her day one. But it took me some time to win her over uh, because she's a lot prettier than I am. Praise God. But either way, I remember I had this thought in my mind that said, you know, I really need to have like a confessional with her. Maybe you guys have never done that. I would recommend it, honestly. If you're seeing somebody and you're serious about marrying them, you don't want to be surprised uh, six months into the marriage about some of the things in their past that could come up or not come up. And I never was really a bad guy or anything, but there were things that I just wanted to make sure she never heard them from somebody else. I wanted her to know who she was marrying, period. So we're driving. We're driving from Beaumont to... uh, Texas City, where she lived, and I, and I go through, and I'm like, okay, baby, I just, I just want to, I probably didn't call her baby at the time, I probably called her Miss Crystal or something, but anyway, I said, I said you know, uh, I, I just want to share some things with you. Okay, she said, you know, she's just happy as a lark, and I'm happy as a lark, and I'm telling her, I'm like, well, you know, when I was two, I stuck some gum underneath a desk in children's church, you know, when I was three, I well, I, I, I drank from the water fountain and splashed all the water everywhere and didn't clean it up. Not really. I told her the things I'd done, y'all, which I'm not going to tell y'all, just for the record. <laughs> y'all are all sitting there like, what do he do? I'll tell you what. Can't wait. Tell your own story. So I'm sitting there and I tell her, you know, I don't ever want you to hear this from somebody else. This is the truth of what happened in this scenario. This happened. Here's what happened in this scenario. Whatever. And again, we're not talking about big things. It's just, I just, I just wanted to be right. That's all it was. And she sits there and I'm literally, I'm thinking she's about to say to me, well, listen, you can drop me off here because you are not holy enough to be in the same car with me. But she didn't say that at all. She said to me, she said, I didn't know that guy. The Bible says old things passed away and all things became new. So I never met him and I never would be in the truck with him. No, she didn't say that. But she said, I never met him. 
And immediately I was so thankful for such a godly young lady that was willing to literally believe the Bible. Did you know if we would literally believe the Bible, we could literally experience the Bible? You don't need somebody to explain to you God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That means Jesus was given for you. If we will stand on the Scriptures, we can see the results of the Scriptures. So many times in our life we go through something and we forget that because of Calvary, we can cry, Abba, Father. We can say, Daddy, God. Because of, his, because of Calvary, we can remember that His yoke is light and His burden is easy. Because of Calvary, we can remember that He provides peace that surpasses anything that can go on between your ears, that surpasses our understanding. Because of Calvary, we can remember that He asked the great question on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's so that us on the other side of Calvary could hold fast the promise that our God will never leave us nor forsake us. Every decision... Every circumstance, every opportunity, what does Calvary empower you in? How does Calvary change your situation? I personally love going through this process. I do it on purpose sometimes. I'll write down things that I'm believing God for, and then I'll try to figure out, now what did the blood of Jesus, what did the sacrifice of all sacrifices, what did that do to my situation? What can I claim in this situation? One of them I like, since I have children, is in the last days, He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters, I have two daughters, will prophesy. One thing I like is he promises you, uh, uh, he promises your salvation, your, your, your uh, family to be a part of the kingdom of God for a thousand generations. That means I'm not looking at what I see all the time, but I'm looking through the lens of Calvary, which allows me to make that stand. I like looking through the lens of Calvary where it says, you and your whole house will be saved. That means I don't have to look at a current situation. That means I don't have to look at a, at a family member or a good friend or otherwise. Because by faith, I claim them all to be a part of my house, my camp. All these things are possible, not because of what you've done, nor because of the good that you will do in the future. See, that's called religion. Whenever you start weighing your past by the blood, but you weigh your future on your own account, that's called religion. You see, Jesus didn't die so that one day you could start to say, well, he saved me by grace and then I took it from there. No. Your righteousness, the Bible says, and my righteousness is but filthy rags. And again... We don't need to wake up in the morning and say, I'm filthy rags. No, 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 no. You wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Whatever I'm going through, 
whatever situation I come in contact with, I'm going to determine my position not by my own account, not by my own account, but by the cross of Calvary. Clap your hands right there. That's worth it. Thank you, Father, for the cross of Calvary. The new covenant is sealed by the blood of Jesus. Open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 61 if you have it. Verse number 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has chosen me. Somebody say, that's me. He has commissioned me, say that's me, to encourage the poor, to help the brokenhearted, to decree the release of captives and the freeing of prisoners, to announce the year when the Lord will show His favor, the day when our God will seek vengeance, to console all who mourn. Verse 3, to strengthen those who mourn in Zion by giving them a turban instead of ashes, oil, symbolizing joy. Instead of mourning, a garment symbolizing praise. Instead of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Trees planted by the Lord to reveal His splendor. Your price, though it's free to you, is the furthest thing from cheap. And your situation, good, bad, or indifferent, ought always be viewed through how did Calvary affect my current situation. You see, the new covenant is the most lopsided exchange in all history. God was willing to take all of your imperfections, all of your faults, all of your failures, all of your shortcomings, all of your insufficiencies, all of your debts, all of your fears, all of your frustrations, all of your weaknesses, all the areas where you miss it, all the things that only you and God know about. And just for the record, There's some things that only you and God should know about. God was willing to take everything negative about you and exchange it for His Son. You see, Jesus had no need in death. He was already there. He was already living in heaven with His Father and the Holy Spirit. He was already living the life that you and I will live on the other side of of eternity. You and I, we get to take part in the most unreasonable transaction that has ever taken place. Now, what kind of a God, what kind of a person would take your filth And my filth, our wickedness, our turning from God, our doubt, our unbelief, all these different things, and exchange them for righteousness. You see, He's not a man like you and me. 
He doesn't have a, a, a thought in his mind that's not good towards you, his child. We hear so many times, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you're in a wedding, you will hear it. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious, love is not boast. Well, the Bible also says that God is love. So could we say it like this? God is kind. God is patient. God is not envious. Who would he envy? He took stars and went, that's enough. He took you from a place where you felt as though you had no hope. Where it seemed as though you had no peace. And he set your feet on the solid rock, which is the foundation, the foundation stone. Christ Jesus. It's the most unruly, inexplainable, greatest opportunity exchange that has ever existed and will ever exist from now till the very end of time. Here's just a few of the things that he exchanged. He took your despair and gave us hope. He took Your disgrace, every area of disgrace in your life and gave us grace. He took your corruption, my corruption, and exchanged it for the incorruptible. He took the ashes of your life, the areas of your life where you don't feel attractive. Maybe it's physical. Probably not anybody in here because y'all are also handsome and pretty. Maybe it's something on the inside where I just don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm this. I don't feel like I can get my point across. I don't feel like whatever. I got this. I got the. He took those ashes, the things that you would try. See, ashes represent something you don't want somebody to see. If somebody comes in your house and your fireplace is just running with ashes, you don't want the ashes on the floor. You take the ashes and you throw them outside because they have no value at that point. But the scenario is, is God took our ashes and exchange them for beauty. Something that can be used in this world. Something that can be a a, a help in this world. Something that His kingdom can use for His benefit. He took your fear and gave you courage. Do you remember when you were scared and all of a sudden you just felt God give you peace? He exchanged your fear for courage. He exchanged your weakness for strength. Every area of your life where you feel inadequate, you probably are. But listen, He is not. He took your poverty and replaced it with prosperity. John 10.10 where He said, I came that you may have life and life more abundant. That word life is the word zoe. You can look it up yourself. It means a a life filled with vitality and vigor. One translation, uh, the message says it this way. A life better than you could have ever dreamed of. He took your debt and gave you freedom. He took your sickness and exchanged health. 
He took your sorrow and gave you joy. He took your loss and gave you gain. He takes your stress and gives you peace. He takes your brokenness and gives you wholeness. And the greatest of all, He took the greatest price that you owed. He took your death on His back and exchanged it for His life. He consumed all the things that you should have to pay for and replaced it through the greatest exchange in the history of mankind. It's the greatest opportunity for you and for me to do three things today. Number one, never ever mistake free for cheap. Never, never ever mistake your position in God for something inexpensive. Number two, always view your life through the lens of the cross. What did that price say about my situation? Did you know the Bible says that you'll never give up anything for His kingdom? That God will not give you 100 fold? Wait for it. In this life. Houses you didn't build, the Bible says. Wells you didn't dig, the Bible says. This is what God is about. What did Calvary do about my situation? The doctor says this. Thank you, doctor. What's the best course of action? Bless God. We're going to consider that. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe in medicine. The Bible says laughter is like good medicine. The Bible is very clear that medicine is not an overwhelmingly bad thing at all. But the Bible also says by his stripes, I am healed. I look through everything. Through the lens of the cross. Lastly, the new covenant, the most lopsided exchange in all of history. Jesus did this. He hung on a cross and right before he died, right before the Bible says he hung his head, He said, it is finished. He said, it is finished. So that you and I could have a new beginning. That's a praise team to come back up, please. So many times in our life, we go through things and we we get to a point where... God is on the back burner is the only way I could put it. Can I encourage you today? Never take your position for granted. And never allow the devil to steal, kill, or destroy that position. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a new creature. Old things passed away and all things became new. When you go before the throne room, you can go boldly in there, not because of who you are, but because the Bible says that you are clothed in Christ. You have put Jesus on by saying yes. That doesn't mean that we don't weigh and balance ourselves. It doesn't mean that we don't abstain from sin and it doesn't mean that we don't repent when we mess up. What it means is you are His 
child. And the greatest exchange in history has taken place for your benefit. Could you stand to your feet, please? If you're in the building today, ask everybody to close your eyes. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. 